episode 69 of the pilot the pilot podcast takes off now well hello fellow aviation enthusiasts i'm john king and i'm martha king and we are co-owners and founders of king ghouls and we do online training for pilots at all levels Today's episode is brought to you by AOPA's Pilot Protection Services. As disciplined and meticulous pilots, we are always striving to achieve that perfect flight from engine startup to shutdown. However, even the most experienced pilot can get distracted by a passenger or have a momentary bout of information overload. AOPA's Pilot Protection Services knows that your pilot and medical certificates mean everything to you. And that's why their trusted legal services plan attorneys and medical certification specialists are there to help protect you when things don't go as planned. It's available only to AOPA members and over 64,000 members already participate. So go check them out before your next flight at aopa.org backslash PPS. Navy Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams and I am your host. Today, I am talking with the legends, John and Martha King. They had about 30 minutes at Oshkosh. I was able to meet up with them after the press release and press conference, and we chatted. We talked for 30 minutes, and we talked about anything and everything aviation that I could ask them in 30 minutes. It was a great episode, and it's one that I'm extremely excited for everyone to listen to, and I am looking forward to hearing the feedback about it, what you know about getting to know John and Martha a little bit better about their story and what they love. And it's a great episode and one that we've talked about many, many things. Some of the highlights of the episode, I think, are talking about how they're very hesitant to get into the VSR world, how they're very hesitant of taping all of their talks, taping all of their instructions because they thought that it just wouldn't capture their personalities and it wouldn't work. So that was really interesting to hear. And it was also interesting to hear them interact together, just how much they truly love each other and how they support each other and just aviation and how that has impacted their family, how that has impacted their life and how they have impacted the whole aviation community. So there's some people to definitely look up to. If you don't know about King Schools, and I don't know where you've been for the last 45, 50 years, but they have been doing some amazing things. So go ahead and check them out, King Schools. And also, please enjoy this podcast. If you do enjoy the podcast, go ahead and leave us a review. You can check us out on uh, Instagram at Pilot the Pilot. You can see our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Pilot the Pilot. And also check us out on any social media or any podcast player. Just type in Pilot the Pilot and we will be there. Aviation, I don't want to keep you any longer. So without any further ado, here are John and Martha King. What is going on, John and Martha King? Thank you for coming on the Pilot the Pilot podcast. I look forward to talking with you guys. Well, a lot is going on. We're having a great time here at uh, AirVenture in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And uh, we've given a lot of talks and met a lot of people. And uh, the weather's been great. And we've had uh, just a wonderful time watching all the airplanes. You know, the traffic was just terrible yesterday. So uh, uh, here in 2019, this year, it's been a wet year. Uh, we got up early this morning, uh, so the traffic wasn't going to be so much of a problem. And the sun was just rising. The light was coming up. The light was just beautiful. The air temperature was beautiful. And we were by ourselves. What a wonderful experience that was this morning. The weather's amazing today. It's beautiful out. I, I was here last year, and I think it was a little bit hotter in this last year, but so this time it just feels great, especially since we're under the shade sitting on the golf cart. Yeah, we were walking the... Um uh, the roads and the ramps around the airplane exhibits and uh, just a light breeze. And we, we walked up on some of the photography stands and looked out over the uh, field, the, the air show line, and uh, it was perfect. There are just so many ways that 
collectively as a community, we figured out how to fly. And they, and people brought these individual ways to display them here at Oshkosh. What an excitement it is. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, uh, we kind of talked about in your intro a little bit where you said you do pilots of all levels. I started, um, flying Cessna 172s. Now I fly Citation Latitude. And it's just, it's amazing that you can come to one place and find training for anything. And you can kind of keep your customer base coming back and coming back and coming back when they keep upgrading and upgrading and upgrading. So it's really cool. Not only that, you can actually see the aircraft yeah. here and see them yeah. fly. What that's a, really cool. That's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Well, hey, I want to start out kind of um, where it all started. Why did you guys even begin in aviation? What was kind of your reasoning for starting aviation? Well, we went broke in, a, in another business. By yeah. broke, I mean bankrupt. <laughs> and, and we said, wow, you know, one of the reasons we probably went broke is that we've been uh, flying airplanes to uh, this whole time. So let's do something for the fun of it until a serious business comes along. And we decided we were going to teach pilots uh, in ground schools. And that was uh, about 45 years ago. And we're still looking for a serious business. We still haven't <laughs> found a serious business. So uh, John had learned, of, uh, had soloed when he was in high school. He used to fly with his father and with a friend um, in Indiana, central Indiana. And he soloed uh, in high school and then quit flying to save money to go to college. And after we both graduated and uh, we started a business in college and then sold it, and after we sold it, we had both some time and money, and we went out and together got our uh, private pilot certificates. We uh, got them two days apart. Oh, that's cool. And uh, basically, I did it because... I wasn't going to be sick. John really wanted to do it from his uh, childhood, and I wasn't going to be sitting at home while he was out at the airport <laughs> having fun. Right? So uh, we did it together, and I was kind of doing it with, uh, I don't know, gritted teeth, grim determination until I did my first solo cross country. And I came back, and it was, um, it had been a beautiful flight. Uh, I ended up coming back at night, but it was smooth and it was uh, clear and the lights just slowly came on and the, in Indianapolis as I flew along home towards the airport and it was like looking at black velvet with sparkling diamonds all over it and I, I really fell in love yeah. with aviation at that point and uh, John kind of regrets it now because I've cost him a lot of money in airplanes <laughs> over the time. I want to explain now. <laughs> yeah, give him a chance this. to defend himself, right? She, she's only a little bit better pilot than I okay. am. We've, we've done, uh, um, uh, well, ultimately, at the time, every category and class that was available so for cool. civilian pilots. We still have every category and class that's available for civilian pilots, also flight instructors. Mm -hmm. But we've done it all together, just one after the other, after the other, just within a day of each other. And uh, we've just had a wonderful time uh, learning together. It was yeah. a great experience. Would uh, you guys continue to push each other in learning? Like did one of you say Martha got the subject, then she would teach you, and then you figured out the subject better and you teach well, her? Well, we, we support each other. Yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't say we push each other. Yeah. I think we support each other in everything we do. We, we help explain it to each other if one of us is having uh, uh, a little bit of a hang-up and... Uh, there's some things that some of uh, that John's better at understanding and explaining than I am, like aerodynamics, mm -hmm. and um, I, I may be a little bit better than he is about untangling regulations. Mm -hmm. But 
Uh, I mean, the, the differences are very incrementally small, but we try and give each other that last bit of understanding. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, we're, we're best buddies. We made a deal uh, when we got married. We said our deal is uh, we're going to be equal partners in everything we do. And uh, so she's only a little bit better uh, uh, flying than I am and a whole bunch of things, but we're equal partners and we support each other and everything. That's really cool. My wife is the same way. She's, uh, she wants to start flying. She wants to get in flying. She's in med school right now. So she's going to finish med school and then start flying and get into that. But I can already tell she's going to be better at it than I am. She's, <laughs> she's got the brains for it. She's got the skills for it. So, but I'm humble. I can be humble about it. So that's really cool. When was, um, when was kind of the realization that you guys wanted to take this into a career, that you wanted to be flight instructors and kind of start the whole King School's business? Well, we, um, uh, we, 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 uh, when that business went bankrupt, we decided, well, let's start doing ground school. So we just started teaching ground school. But basically, when we were first teaching ground schools, what we did is we owned a good job. We owned our own jobs because we had to physically be there. And we were teaching these two-day weekend ground schools 50 weekends a year. And we did that for 10 years. And then um, a friend suggested that VHS tape was just coming in. A friend told us that we should put the course, uh, our, our program, on tape. And uh, after some initial resistance, we did. And... Uh, what that allowed us to do was basically package ourselves in a box and ship it off mm -hmm. to customers all across the country and, and indeed all around the world. And um, uh, that enabled uh, a whole uh, a, a quantum leap in the kind of flying we were able to do because uh, uh, two years after we started doing the videotapes, we moved from a... a Cessna 340 up to a Citation 500. Oh, dang. Yeah, the, the, uh, uh, we, we had a friend when we, we were for, uh, for 10 years, we went around to a circuit of cities yeah. teaching weekend ground schools. Okay. And uh, um, we did it for uh, 50, 50 weekends a year for 10 years, meaning we had given ground school classes 500 times. That's a lot of times. Uh, uh, I did them for the... Um, private and commercial and flight instructor in, in one meeting room in a hotel. Martha would do it for the instrument and instrument flight instructor in another meeting room. And, and we had all our, our speeches down, our jokes down, how to get into a subject. If you, if you had 50 people in a room and they all look stupid, you realize there's really only one stupid guy in a room, and it's me. And so, uh, so we got all our, our lines down. We got our speeches down. We knew how to get into a subject. We knew, knew how to make it so people could understand it easily, and it was clear and fun for them. So uh, uh, when we put our courses on video, uh, when the guy says you should put these courses on video, I says, well, it just goes to show you don't know one thing about our business. It won't work on video yeah. because it requires our dynamic personal presence, medium in the eye, for it to work. And I says, well, I don't know how you can say that if you haven't tried it. So we put the courses on video, and and as I say, they were good because we had been giving those same seminars 500 times. Yeah. So by the time we put them on video, we, we had them down. We had them good. We had all the lines down. So initially, there was some skepticism then about oh, joining. Oh, I didn't think it would work. Yeah. I didn't think it would work. Well, video was a new concept. Yeah. You know, we uh, they were just beginning to get household videos. Uh, <laughs> 
Martha and I are arguing over I know the mic, yeah. Here, yeah. Um, and not that we would do that very often, but, <laughs> but, but in any event, uh, it worked, and uh, uh, we very, very soon uh, wound up teaching half the pilots in the country learning. That's so cool. Just, uh, just technology. Yeah, just, it's crazy. As Martha said, we could ship our, put ourselves in a box, ship it off to them, and we could teach them in their living rooms. You hugged the mic, and now I've forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> but um, the, the, the only sh skepticism, the skepticism was not from customers. It was initially from us that people would accept this and that it would meet our quality uh, standards and desires. Yeah. But we would have, uh, when we uh, first went on uh, videotape on VHS, only about 4% of the households in the country had a VCR. Oh, man. And so, in a sense, for you, pure luck, being drug along to it, if you will, uh, we caught the crest of that wave. Yeah. And we would have people who would call us up and order a set of tapes for the private or a set of tapes for the instrument, hang up, and call back 10 minutes later and say, by the way, I don't own a VCR yet. What brand should I get? <laughs> and so we would have a list uh, by the phone of uh, the most popular brands, uh, uh, no high, medium, and low uh, pricing with, with uh, comparison of the features on it. So depending on what they wanted, they could get the right thing. And... Um, we even considered, and fortunately didn't do, uh, private branding uh, VCRs. Oh, wow. Did you say fortunately or unfortunately? <laughs> fortunately. Well, fortunately, we didn't, right. Um, but we were charging uh, for uh, a video course, a ground school course on video, $500. Yeah. And this was in uh, 1983. So it wasn't and cheap then. It wasn't yeah. cheap at all. And... Uh, we were selling them like gangbusters. Yeah. It just, it's just amazing how fast uh, they sold. And we wound up with a citation within a year. It, was just a, That's, uh, it, was just, it ain't right. There's some good goals to have right there. It ain't yeah. fair. Yeah. You know? um, That's amazing. <laughs> There's a guy trying to run us down. Yeah, he's trying to run us over. <laughs> Oshkosh stories, yeah. What, um, so when, what, when did you guys realize that, hey, this is actually taking off, this is actually working? Was it your first sale? Was it a couple sales after? Or was it when people started asking you what VCRs we need to buy so we can watch your videos? I, I would say probably the, when they would call us up and buy the tapes and then call back and say, I don't own a VCR, VCR <laughs> what should I get? We, we realized then that they wanted our cars. Yeah. And uh, we, we became students of direct marketing. We learned how to... Uh, write the ads. Uh, we we would we mailed out to flight instructors to begin. Oh, nice! And uh, and uh, uh, we've we, along the ways we've been partners in the business and we've had business arguments. Uh, <laughs> uh, when we were uh, uh, doing video to mailing the videos to flight instructors, I said to Martha, "I'd like to start selling these to privates or pilots who are not flight instructors." Yeah. And Martha says, are you crazy? Uh, you're going to ruin our business. It's We're doing so well with flight instructors, we sell them to their customers. We, we just won't be able to sell them anymore. Um, but as it worked out, that worked that worked well, too. So we were just we were just very fortunate. Because the volume of consumers that were willing to uh, to pay for it for their own uh, education uh, was quite a bit bigger, multiples bigger. Than flight instructors who wanted to buy them to teach uh, learning pilots. So uh, that's why it worked out.
So, so decades later now, she's still asking me, are you crazy? <laughs> what's going well, wrong with you? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, we'll never get over that. Yeah. But My wife asked me the same thing every day. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so take it, I want to kind of find out more about you guys on flying and kind of your love for flying. What was your favorite rating to get? What was your favorite plane to fly? Kind of some stories that you have from your training or just flying around in the 340 in citation? Well, the most unusual thing in terms of ratings, we got a, um, a, a, a pilot's license in a blimp. No and, way. And uh, a very rare opportunity because a blimp, blimp, a blimp, a blimp has a, what, about uh, uh, 18 ground crew members. Yeah. And they all have to be standing around uh, waiting for the ropes uh, and helping you get going when you do takeoffs and landings. So takeoffs and landings in a blimp are very expensive. Um, and so you don't get much opportunity to do it uh, unless there's a reason for them. And we got the opportunity. We, we had both already been helicopter pilots and seaplane pilots. And we're, for both of those, you're landing off airports um, and you, you become very wind aware. And uh, blimps land in unusual circumstances and you have to be very wind aware to fly a blimp. And uh, so th those are the reasons they wanted us. Um, and uh, we were also could make ourselves available at odd, yeah. odd times. So we flew over the U.S. Tennis Open. We no flew way. over so the, cool. the Super Bowl, yeah. uh, the playoff games, and so on. So Kentucky Derby. Yeah, it's don't so cool. The Kentucky Derby. It's so cool what aviation can offer. You know, like you never, probably when you first started, you never thought you'd be in a blimp flying over the U.S. Open, the Kentucky Derby, Super Bowls. It's like that. It's just amazing what aviation can offer. Right. But one of the most fun uh, ratings that we got. Um, and, and it's a fabulous thing for any uh, pilot to go out and get if they haven't already got it, was our seaplane rating. Oh, I'm jealous. We did it on the uh, Salton Sea uh, They've uh, here in uh, Southern California. They've now moved up to uh, Lake Havasu City on, on the Colorado River. But there's multiple places around, and it's a, a, a couple of days of, in our case, flying a, um, uh, a cub on floats uh, with the doors off, Ugh. off the water. Um, the Salton Sea is uh, 160 or 70 feet below sea level, the oh, wow. surface of it. And we never got above sea level <laughs> in that training. And we would, uh, it, it was, you know, you're, as I say, you're flying with the doors off and the weather's warm and you're just out and around and, and you're, you're half boat, half airplane. And it was just fabulous. That's amazing. I'm just going to check right here. I don't think what you said on the, how far below sea level it was is correct. <laughs> We're going to fact check right now. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm going to check on it right now. I'll keep asking some questions if you don't All mind. All right. Go what ahead. Was, uh, what's your favorite training plane that you've ever flown? Uh, you know, I think the uh, Cessna 172 is a really delightful plane to train in yeah. because it's, uh, it's solid, it's reliable, uh, it's predictable, mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's comfortable for people to fly. So I, I think that um, uh, we happen to do our uh, private pilot training in a Cherokee 140, but uh, we've since flown a uh, 172 a lot, yeah. and we really like that airplane. You know, the uh, I was going to say that you were exaggerating. The Salton Sea is 228 feet below sea Oh, my level. gosh. <laughs> I thought she was exaggerating, yeah. uh, but I, I was wrong. That's really funny. I, I was... 
I was wrong when I thought you were wrong. <laughs> Small world. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I was asking her what her favorite training plane was. I heard that. Yeah. Do you I have, don't a... have to go along in 172. Yeah. It's really built for it. Oh, yeah. Designed for it. Has, has great characteristics. It's a, as a, the, it's, it's a great training airplane. Yeah, it's, it really is. It can take a beating from yeah, a student right. on landings. It can I, I do some cross it. Uh, <laughs> Same here, yeah. A bad crosswind landing. It's like, yeah. oh, let's go again. It's yeah, like, really? Right. You're good? All right, yeah, let's go. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Oh, I wasn't going to ask. Let's see. Got some more questions. All right, here's a good one. So you guys have had this training for what you said, 45 years, right? Around there, 45? Right, right. What would you say... So people that train, they have so everyone struggles in different things. Would you say that through those forty-five years, the struggles have changed, or the struggles the same? What people struggle with? Everybody struggles. You mean what pilots in general? Yeah, just pilots with? in general. Well, we've all has yeah we, has it changed. We've all uh, had to learn different kinds of uh, technology. Yeah, you know, the, I can, can you imagine uh, what the GPS has done? It's right, just, it's really and we you have to learn a GPS. But now we were just I'm not lost near as much as I used to be. <laughs> Uh, so uh, a GPS is really yeah. made the navigation uh, wonderful, just wonderful. GPS is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's just fabulous. And but we've all had to learn different kinds of systems. Yeah, um, we have uh, uh, flight planning has changed dramatically. Yes, uh, we we have. Uh, I looked on my flight planning program to see uh, how low uh, the salt and sea was. I got a sectional chart. For every place in the country. You got right? everything on that right, thing. Right, yeah. right. Isn't that, isn't that marvelous? Yeah, isn't it's that amazing. just wonderful? Yeah, it uh, is. Just, just marvelous. But I think consistently through the years, uh, the thing that gives every pilot some issues is learning to land, learning to make a pretty landing. Uh, some people are ground shy. Some people like the ground too much and go wham. Uh, but getting that sight picture and getting the the feel on the controls and, and the sensitivity to how the airplane is responding to that feel, which, mm -hmm. as you know, of course, changes with your speed and configuration. Oh. And it takes a while to, to get the feel and perceptions of that. Uh, that's been a consistent issue in flight training through the years. I would definitely agree. And it's like you said, you once you get the feel down and then all of a sudden you get into a crosswind. It's like you keep adding more and more and more elements to it. It's, you know, no landing is the same. I'm sure you guys can say the same thing. It's always different. So what worked last time might not work this time. It'll work this time, it'll work next time. So it's really where we have really made great strides is um, risk management. What, what we're doing is yeah. we're doing scenario-based training uh, and now we're uh, using the Airman Certification Standards for the practical test and we're asking... Um, uh, that pilots be able to demonstrate their ability to identify and mitigate risk. Used to be, mm -hmm. all we cared about was the pilot's skill level. We were, didn't, right. didn't ask them to know what the risks were and how they could mitigate them and how they'd think about them and so on. So that's a huge change. And you can see the accident rate per 100,000 hours of flight time, uh, the fatality rate, I should say, the fatality rate yeah. has, has a big inflection in it. And, and now... Um, uh, we're improving on the fatality rate tremendously. Yeah. That's, that's, that's lies. Which is amazing. And that's because we've changed. Uh, the whole aviation community has changed the way we uh, talk about risk and, and demonstrate. Yeah. Oh, Which huge. is important to talk about because it's, I mean, every single time we take off, we have that risk that something can happen or we may not be coming back. Well, you know, when there is an accident, it's very common for um, a fatal accident, particularly if it's mm -hmm. an airliner and a number of people involved, 
Uh, it's very common for the Secretary of Transportation or the FAA Administrator to stand up and say something along the lines of, well, safety is our number one priority. There can be no compromise with safety. And the problem with that is it's not true. It's platitudinous, right. and it's meant to smooth and reassure the, the non-flying public but it's not true because any time you start an engine, any time you have a moving vehicle, there is risk. Uh, more or less, depending on the kind of vehicle and uh, the, the training of the operator of that vehicle. But you cannot do it perfectly without risk. Now, there's especially risk to an airplane if you fly it. Uh, and they always say the ship is safest in a harbor. But that's not what a ship is for. And the same way with an airplane, there is risk associated with flying. And we've now, as a community, started identifying the fact that there is risk. And we're, we're going to do a better job of managing it. And that's a big improvement we've made. Yeah, I would definitely agree. So I got a little rapid fire section that I like to do. And it's... Uh, Five minutes left. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Okay, That's why I was going to kind of wrap it up a little bit. So I got a little rapid fire section for you guys. And just some really quick questions. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. It's like, you like Cessnas, you like Pipers, you like a favorite airport, least favorite airport, that kind of thing. So we already asked the Cessna question. You, the trainer was, what's your favorite plane to use for training? So I'll move on. What was your favorite airplane or favorite airport you've ever landed at? If you have one. Well, I don't know. I can't think of a favorite airport. I can start off with mine if you want. I like Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Jackson Hole, Wyoming was the best airport. Yeah. Up in the air up there. Yeah, it's a gorgeous area. It's a beautiful country. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful country. My favorite airport is whichever one takes me to a fun adventure. That's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great. Oshkosh. We'll just go with Oshkosh for now. This is a fun adventure, right? Yeah. What is uh, one of your favorite approaches if you guys have one? Kind of over mountain. Like, do you like mountain airports better, beach airports, or approaches through the, the, the flyover states? Well, you know, we're using. Um, we have an old Falcon 10, which is my favorite airplane. Yeah. Uh, That's and, awesome. And uh, uh, we're using it for, uh, for transportation. My favorite air, uh, approach would be uh, uh, LPV. But we like, uh, you know, we like both the mountains and the beaches. Uh, uh, living in San Diego, we have a fair amount of access. We, uh, we've gone fairly often down to Mexico, down to uh, yeah. Nao. Uh, airport yeah. and, and the beaches there, yeah. <laughs> the problem is we don't like, uh, we're not creatures of habit when it comes to where we're going to. We like to go to new places, so it's hard to come yeah. up with a favorite airport that we always go back to. What is, um, let's see, what's kind of your, what's your favorite airliner? Do you guys have a favorite airliner? We don't ride the airlines because we, we, we're maintaining an aircraft. All right, what is, uh, do you have a favorite, so you don't fly the airlines, one of my questions I like to ask is what's your favorite food to get when you're doing uh, connecting flights? We don't flights, know what a connecting flight is. So, so how about this? I'll word it this way. When you land and get a crew car, what's your favorite kind of food to go get from there? Do you like to go find the barbecue spots? Do you like to go find the taco shops? Texas what's your favorite? barbecue is awfully good. There are airports in uh, uh, northern Texas, around Amarillo. There's one, Dumas, Texas. Uh, what is, what yeah. county is that? That's um, Moore County. Uh, in which there's a Texas barbecue uh, restaurant on the airport. And that, that's a great comment. That's amazing. If you ever get the chance to fly in North Carolina, it's called BQ1. It used to be called 5NC3. It's called Pick and Pig. It's a fly-in restaurant with barbecue right there, and you watch planes take off and land. It's an amazing spot. Yeah. 
It's one of the best ones. So, hey, John and Martha, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I don't want to take up any more your time. You guys are very, very busy. So I want to say thank you for coming on and thank you for everything you've done for the aviation community as a whole. It's just, it's changed the game. You guys have really changed the game. Like you said, you grew up with uh, the technology and it's just, it's helped all the other creators and all the other flight instructors know that this is possible. So we're very thankful. Well, Justin, thank you. Thank you very yeah. much for having us on. No problem. I really appreciate it. And that is a wrap of episode number 69 featuring John and Martha King. Aviation, I truly hope you enjoyed this episode. And as I said earlier, if you did enjoy this episode, please leave us a review. You can check us out on iTunes and you can leave us a review on there. Let us know what you think. We have 331 reviews right now. By the end of the year, I'm hoping to get to 400. I don't know if that's a crazy goal or not, but if you know anyone that's listening to the podcast and hasn't let a review, go ahead and let them know that they need to leave a review so we can go ahead and uh, get that up to 400. And also check out our Patreon page. Patreon has helped me buy the equipment necessary to do this podcast. I bought a digital recorder, bought some microphones, and now I have a new computer, which is going to help me create the best content possible. So consider supporting Pilot to Pilot on Patreon as well. The money goes to very good use, and you also get some cool swag in return if I do say so myself. So check that out. And Aviation, I don't want to keep any longer. As always, happy flying, and I'll see you next week.